Have you ever been disappointed? Maybe you were disappointed when you woke up this morning and there was ice all over the road. That, that, maybe that happened. I, I expect most of us have been disappointed in our life, if not every single person. It's, it's part of the world in which we live. We live in a world that is filled with disappointment. The steak that we were so looking forward to eating as we sit down at the restaurant and they bring it to us, it's, it's a little bit too rare. Or maybe it's a little bit too well done. The coffee, it's, it's a little bit too hot. Or, or maybe it's not quite hot enough. The class that we were so excited about taking, it's, it's just really boring. Or, or maybe it ended too soon. And, and that's one of the, the problems with disappointment. Two people can have the exact same experience and one can be disappointed and one can just be absolutely thrilled, think it was the best thing they ever saw. It depends on the one experiencing it. Well, Moses and the people of Israel were a bit disappointed. They shouldn't have been. They had just been delivered from slavery in Egypt. And then they had watched as God had delivered them through the Red Sea, parted the waters. They walk across on dry land. And then as they look back at the Egyptian army that is pursuing them, God brings the water back on top of the army. They're delivered. They're set free. They're not slaves anymore. But that was last week. Now the people had begun their journey. They have been traveling for a grand total of three days. And they're disappointed. Now let's put this in perspective. They were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. And now they've been free for three days. And they're disappointed. Uh, We pick up the story in Exodus chapter 15. We'll actually start with verse 22. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? The lesson that uh, they learned is one that uh, they would do well to remember as time would go by. We would do very well to remember this lesson also. The lesson is very simple. God is always faithful. First of all, don't make eternal judgments based upon the events of the moment. Again, God had delivered the nation of Israel from 400 years of oppression, 400 years of slavery, and now they were already complaining three days into their journey. Now, to be fair, it was a serious situation. They were in the desert without water. And it was a little more than than the kids in, in the back seat, you know, complaining, are we there yet? Did you bring any snacks? I hope it's not gummy bears again. They were really mushy. Oh, wait a minute. I've got one right here in the back seat. Or maybe this is an old French fry. It wasn't like that. It was a little more serious for the people of Israel. Just try going without water for three days in the desert. 
Unless you're a camel, you're going to be extremely thirsty by that time. And there is nothing physically worse than thirst. Thirst can cause extreme fatigue. It can cause dizziness. It can cause confusion. It can result in incredibly painful cramps, in kidney failure, in seizures, in heat stroke, and ultimately in death. This was no small thing. They had gone without water for three days and there was no end in sight. And so they began to complain. Moses, what are we going to drink? What are we going to do? You brought us out here. Fix this. And then suddenly, they saw the answer. Just ahead, water. Plenty of it. And they go rushing to this place called Marah. And they look around. There was a huge body of water. More water than they could possibly need. Water that would completely fulfill their need. They could water their livestock. They could fill their canteens. They they were ready to go. Just one small problem. The water was undrinkable. It's described as tasting bitter. That's the meaning of the word marah. And the Bible mentions, maybe that's why they named it marah. <laughs> you know, if you, don't, you go to a place called the Greasy Spoon, you don't expect a five-star meal. You kind of know. This is not going to be all that great. If you go to a pond called Bitter, <laughs> you probably shouldn't expect it to taste very good. We think that this is probably located in an area that is today called Hawara. And indeed, the water there is extremely bitter. It's very salty. And it is known throughout the the region to be a place where you can't drink there. If you're going to find something to drink, this is not the place to go. And apparently that was the way it was even during the days of the Israelites' journey. It's not hard for us, though, to imagine the reaction of the people. They've gone without water for three days and now they see water and they, they have this, this great surge of hope and they come to the water, they, they dip their hand and they take it and say, oh, it's awful, we can't drink this stuff. It, it, it psychologically was almost worse than not having any water at all. It's like a shipwreck victim on a raft in the middle of the ocean. Dying of thirst with Millions of gallons of water all around them, but they can't drink it. And the people let Moses know about it. Moses, you did this. You brought us out here. And now we're just going to die. What are you going to do? This was, unfortunately, a problem that would plague the nation of Israel throughout the Exodus experience. The problem of spiritually nearsighted vision. Or to put it another way, they made eternal judgments based on the events of the moment. They forgot something. They served a God who is eternal. They thought the soldiers of Egypt were going to destroy them. They were terrified in that moment, but then God parted the water. 
They would face thirst, and we know how this story ends. God will provide water for them. They would later face hunger, and God would provide manna. They would later face a need for some different food, and God would provide quail. But somehow they had a real problem seeing past the events of the moment to the God who is eternal. I I get that. I wear corrective lenses. I wear glasses or contacts. I'm wearing contacts this morning. And when I'm not wearing my glasses or my contacts, my world ends about 10 feet from me. (laughs) I have a world that is 10 feet in a circle around me. Beyond that, I can't see anything. Until, of course, I put on my glasses or put in my contacts. And suddenly my world expands. (laughs) Trees have leaves. There are stars in the sky. I can read street signs. It's amazing. Now, I know when I'm not wearing my glasses or my contacts, I I recognize that the world does not cease to exist outside of that ten feet. Just because I can't see it doesn't mean that the moon has fallen out of the sky. It's still there. Israel needed to realize that about God, and so do we. Even in the desert, God was there. The same God who delivered them from slavery, the same God who brought them through the Red Sea, that same God would deal with their thirst. God is here. We can know that. Now, it is easy for us to kind of get caught in our little ten-foot bubble. The stuff that we can see, the stuff that we can touch, the stuff that we can know, and, and make our decisions based on that. But we forget the God of the universe is right here. He's still in control. He doesn't miss anything. He knows exactly what's going on, just like he always has. Don't make eternal decisions based on the events of the moment. We live a we know a God who, who is eternal. And that same God always has the answer. The people complained. Moses prayed. Now, he didn't always get this quite right, but in this situation, he did exactly what we need to do. Sometimes we are on, sometimes we're the Israelites and sometimes we're Moses. Sometimes we're the ones who are complaining and sometimes we're the ones who are being complained to. And it's very easy to kind of lose sight in that circumstance as well, to kind of get within that bubble. And all of the folks in your bubble are all just being really testy. <laughs> and that's no fun. But, but Moses remembered something. He, he recognized, okay, uh, these million people I'm with are, are a little mad at me, but I'm going to pray. And so he does. And it made all the difference. There in verse 25, then Moses cried out, to the Lord. And the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it in the water, and the water became sweet. God miraculously answers Moses' prayer. 
Moses goes to God. We, we don't have his prayer recorded, so I don't know exactly what he said, but, but it's not too hard to imagine. <laughs> God, do you see all those people back there? <laughs> they are really upset, and they have a point. We don't have any water. God, I need you. I can't fix this, God. I can't make this water drinkable. God, I need you. And then God does what only God can do. He shows him a piece of wood. Now imagine Moses thought there, oh, thanks, God. I really needed a new stick. That's exactly what I was looking for in this circumstance. And you can imagine God just kind of smiling and saying, well, Moses... Let go of it in the water. And Moses does. And suddenly this water that for hundreds, even thousands of years, nobody's been able to drink. All of a sudden, it's like the Culligan man had been there. It's perfect water. It's sweet Water. It's the best tasting water ever. But this wasn't just about getting a cup of water. It wasn't even about preserving the nation of Israel, although that is what was going to happen. But God was already doing all of that. There was something much more significant that was happening in this circumstance. It's recorded beginning in the last half of verse 25. Then the Lord made a decree and a law for them. And there he tested them. He said, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. (laughs) This experience, like most of what Israel was going to go through there in the wilderness, It was a time of helping the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, to grow in their understanding of God. This wasn't just a camping trip. (laughs) It wasn't even just a deliverance from slavery. It was that. They were delivered out of Egypt, but that really wasn't the point. You see, God had been with them in their slavery in Egypt, too. He hadn't abandoned them there either. But this this wilderness experience was a a time of growth, a a time of understanding, a time of revealing more to them of who their God truly is. This walk through the desert was really much more about their walk with God. Through obedience to God's command, they would find God to always be faithful. He would always have the answer. God reminds them with this this beautiful statement. I am the Lord who heals you. Wow. God was their provider and strength. Not Moses. Not their Egyptian overlord. Because some of them were already thinking, well, maybe if we just turn back to Egypt, they got water there. They were already starting to think that. And they would think that some more as the days would go by. But that wasn't who was going to provide for them either. 
In fact, if they depended on anything else, they'd be thirsty. But in God, they found something far, far greater. Verse 27, then they came to Elam, where there were twelve springs and seventy palm trees. And they camped there near the water. Isn't that just like God? <laughs> we, we go through a, a, a terrible experience. We go through our desert. We go through our time of thirst. And, 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 and maybe we even complain a little bit. But then finally we turn to God and say, God, I need you. I can't fix this. I don't know what to do, God. I, I need you. And God steps in and, and, he, and he takes care of the, that problem, that issue, that burden. And then he opens the floodgates. I was listening to a fellow talking about ministry and and he was talking about he had five different things to do that were important to do ministry and they they were all good but but the last one was was my favorite the last one was don't quit (laughs) because whatever terrible thing you're going through whatever burden whatever horrible thing that you're experiencing God has something really incredible for you out of that desert experience if you'll just keep Trusting Him. Israel wanted a pond of water there at Marah. God gives them 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees to boot at Elam. God not only answers our prayers, He amazes us. He does what only God can do. How many times can you look back in your life, and as you look back what God did for you, God didn't just give you what you asked for. He gave you so much more. Salvation is is exactly that. I mean, think about it for a minute. When we come to Christ, most of us, we come out of a recognition of our sin, and, and that's absolutely necessary. We have to recognize our need for the Lord. We have to recognize we're separated from Him because of our sin. And, and, and we come to, to, to God and we, we say, Lord, I'm, I'm a sinner and I, I can't fix this. I, I'm separated from You and I don't want to be separated from You. The only thing that I can depend upon is Your grace and Your mercy. We're like the prodigal son coming to his father saying, Oh, you know, if my father would just let me be a servant in the household, that'd be something. And we come to God that way in our sin. We, we come, God, I, I, I have failed. Please, God, forgive me. And God does that. Or, or some of us uh, come as we recognize we have a need for eternity. You know, we, we recognize our, our life. We're mortal. We're, one day going, we're going to face death. And, 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 and we know there's something beyond that. And there's nothing we can do about that. And we come to God saying, God, I, I don't. I want to be with you forever. And God does that. And don't get me wrong. Salvation is both of those things. It's a forgiveness of our sin. And it's an eternal home in heaven. And that's gloriously wonderful. But oh, salvation is so much more than that. 
And I know you could give testimony to that. Those of you that know the Lord, you could talk about ways. Well, well, yeah, God forgave my sin. And yes, God has a home in heaven for me. But God's with me right now. And God's seen me through that problem that I had at work. And God's seen me through the situation that I had in my family. And, and God's seen me through that disappointment that I had last year. And, and, and God's, God's been with me over and over and over again. He's always with me. God gives us what we pray for and so much more. I haven't been to heaven, but based on the glimpses that we have in Scripture, heaven's going to be an amazing place. Oh, goodness. More than we can even begin to imagine. But knowing Christ is not just about the sweet by and by. We're not just hanging on until one day we finally get to glory. That's going to be a wonderful place. Don't get me wrong. But it's wonderful right now. God is with us right now. Sometimes in our little ten-foot bubble, we may feel like we're alone in the desert. But if you know Jesus, you're not. Jesus made a very specific promise to his followers. And if you know Christ today as your Savior, you're one of them. He's saying this to you just as much as he said it to his disciples when he uttered the words. Here's what he said in Matthew 28, 20. He said, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. <laughs> you not only have the promise of God, you have the presence of God right now. Don't make a final judgment based on temporary circumstances. Because you know the God who heals you. Oh, there are so many people around you who need to know that same God. Because they are struggling through the desert. They are devastated with disappointment. And they are searching for the water. (laughs) You know where it is. Not just the pond of Moriah. You you know where all the springs of Elam are. Because you know Jesus. I challenge you last week to be thinking about something. I challenge you again this morning. We want to do 20 new ministry initiatives in 2020. 20 new things that we've not ever done before to try to reach people with the message of Christ. This is why people are struggling in the wilderness. And they don't know the answer, but we do. So we've got to find a way to tell them. We've got to find a way to show it to them. We've got to find a way to invite them in to this incredible fellowship with the Savior that we know. And so I'm challenging every Sunday school class, every ministry that we have, to think of at least one new way over the next 12 months that your ministry, your class, your small group can reach somebody new. And we're praying for at least 20 new families and individuals to come to faith in Christ this next year. I can't do that, folks. I don't have a way to reach 20 new families and individuals. I don't know the one who can. Our world is dying of thirst. And we know where the water is. Let's think of some ways that we can point them to Jesus. 
Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence here with us today. Thank you. We're never alone in the wilderness. We're not even alone in slavery. That's the incredible thing about this passage. The, The people of Israel were not alone in the desert when they were looking for water, but they hadn't been alone when they were enslaved to the Egyptians either. You were there with them in that experience. You're with us in every experience of life. And so often we, we make some snap judgments based upon the immediate issues that we are facing. That's so easy for us to do. It's in our humanness. It's hard to see beyond that. But God, help us to recognize you're not trapped by the temporary things of this world. You're eternal. You always have the answers. So God, help us always turn to you, even right now, right here this morning. Maybe there's somebody that, that came in here thirsty today, spiritually thirsty. They've been searching for answers in their life. And this morning, Heavenly Father, you can quench their thirst. And through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, they can find exactly what they've been looking for. Help them to see that, Lord. For those of us that already know the Savior, God, help us to realize what that means. It's not just a drop of water to cool our tongue in the middle of the hot desert. No, what we know in Christ is so much more than we can even imagine. Help us rejoice in that. Help us to share that with a world that desperately needs it. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.